One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right. Let's do this. Hello. Hi, everybody. How are we? Christmas is in full flow in our house. Um, I try, as we know, I try and resist doing it all too early, but I went and got the tree today. Now, something I quite like to do as a family, but that wasn't an option uh, this year. So I went on my own. And little tip for you listeners. So... I went and got a tree and then I wanted to like chop up, I wanted bits of foliage, is that the word? Bits of Christmas tree foliage that you dot around the house, you know, I like to put it on a mantelpiece, sometimes I like to put it down the middle of a table, depending where the Christmas feeling takes me. But they sell that stuff and it's really expensive and can I just say, when you get a Christmas tree, here's my tip, you don't need half the amount that's in the tree, if you're getting a real one by the way, you can just chop a few branches off and use that. So that's what I'm going to do. I found a very lovely specimen. It's the same height as me, six foot one with the wind behind me. And I'm going to decorate it. I'm going to go loads and loads of lights. And then what I've been doing, which I think is really lovely, is uh, William and I, my husband, we buy a new decoration each year so that we sort of have them throughout our life. And we've been together 10 years. So there's 10 decorations that are from our little history. And we always always remember where we got that one from, where we got that one from. And yeah, it's really lovely. Also, a really nice thing, if you have godchildren, and if you've got lots of them, which all of us queers tend to, don't we, uh, is a nice thing to give them a Christmas decoration, should they be people who celebrate Christmas, uh, which is quite nice as well. Because first things first, it's cheap. Now, today I'm talking with the author, illustrator, activist and podcaster Florence Given, face to face no less. What Florence has done is nothing short of extraordinary. She's got millions of followers on Instagram and she really is about queer liberation in many ways. She's about getting rid of shame and she talks in this really playful, very fun, very kind of immediate way about really really serious stuff and I followed her for a long time and I really like her stuff I read her book Women Don't Owe You Pretty I really loved the ideas in there and I think it's actually really interesting even now looking back at that book is a lot of the ideas in that book are out in the public realm but when she wrote it they weren't really really interesting ideas around you know even that concept of women don't owe you pretty you don't have to be pretty and work and live for the male gaze you know that applies beyond identifying as a woman I think that queer people absolutely have our own version of living within the male gaze and Florence 
Floss. I keep calling her Florence, as we say in the interview. But Floss, she likes to be called Floss. She is queer herself. And the sort of nuances around that are great and sort of encouraging her female following to, you know, embrace kiss girls and be nice to each other is sort of one of her things. And yeah, I'm a fan. So we had a good old chat. We talked about all sorts of things. Um, the complications around social media. We talk about her story of growing up, you know, which is something I haven't really heard. And it's really, really interesting. And what it is that motivates her, what it is that makes her keep doing what she does. Very cool, very cool chat. So that's coming up. Have you, in the meantime, have you caught up with last week's episode with Shah LS? If not, now's the time. Well, not now. Listen to this and then do that. Um, keep emailing us at hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. Tell us what you've thought of the episodes or send any holiday season anonymous agony uncles to be answered, people. You can get in touch with us. That's on Instagram as well at homosapiens. Now, let's have a look at emails and messages. Oh, we got a lovely message about last week's episode with Shah. From Jack, loved this. Shaving your head is the most liberating way of beginning yourself from a blank page. First did it when I was 16 and truly owned myself. Good on you, Jack. Now, I've never shaved my head and I sort of don't think I've got enough hair left. I think it would just look a bit patchy. But then again, if you're losing your hair, you do shave your head. So what am I talking about? We also got an email from someone. Um, I won't leave the name on because I'm not certain about anonymity stuff dear chris i won't wax on about how much i love the podcast and how it has been the background music that has held together the somewhat turbulent plot of my late emergence into the glorious queer life ah this is wonderful homo sapiens was a secret guilty pleasure in the last months of my marriage and being in the closet Ooh, yes i am in the words of kathy bates your number one fan well this is wonderful hello number one fan i am a happy out gay man who didn't come out until he was over 50 Ah, interesting. There are so many closeted men who might feel, what's the point? I'm older now. Can I say, 50 is not too late to be doing anything. And all power to anyone like you who's doing stuff. Because Gary Vaynerchuk, Instagram entrepreneur, is so interesting about age. People have a problem with Gary Vaynerchuk a bit. But I actually think the way he talks about age is amazing. Look him up. He's Gary V on Instagram. Um, He's not gay. At time of print. Anyway, back to the email. Well, it's not all about sex, but OMG, what a journey I've had. I may have missed out on a gay youth, but to my surprise, I've been making up for it by rocking the Silver Fox vibes that I never knew I had. I was raised in a homophobic cult as a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not angry about it. I've come to find gratitude. Wow. Had I escaped to London in the 80s at 16, I packed that little black case a thousand times. Stood alone on the platform in North Wales, but wasn't brave enough to get on that train to London. Wow, what an image. I most likely would have ended up a victim of AIDS pandemic like Colin in It's a Sin, who I shed buckets loads of tears to. So I am alive, but there is no excuse for the trauma I experienced as a gay boy in a religion that taught me that I was an aberration. Hmm, really interesting. And you are not an aberration. You are quite the opposite. You're a celebration from where I'm standing. This affects thousands of individuals who cannot come out because they will be shunned and ostracised by their friends and family. Also, it's not just Jehovah's Witness, it's many other smaller cults too. I live in rural North Wales, where I'm almost the only gay in the village, yet I've found a way to have a connected queer life with an amazing queer support network. This is amazing! Amazingly, I also found a partner and we enjoy rural queerness. Ah, that is so lovely to hear. Thank you so much for that email. 
Can I just request a photo of your rural queerness? That's what I want. I want to see a, a lovely picture of queer rural life. Please do send hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Anybody else as well, send us your pictures of your queer rural lives should you live rurally. Is that a word? Now, after that uplifting and beautiful email, let's go and have an uplifting and wonderful conversation with Florence Given. Here it is, people. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? We had to go Lionel Richie. Could have been, hello, it's me. Yeah, I was going to say Adele. <laughs> yeah. Or Taylor's first new song. Do you call yourself Floss all the time? Can I call you Floss? Yes, you can call me Floss. Yeah, anyone calls me Florence, it sounds like my mum telling right. me off. Florence. Florence! Got yeah. it. So... Are you a Swifty? I don't listen to her music, but it's not because I'm against it. It's yeah. also a bit like, and people are going to kill me for this, David Bowie. Right. So I know I will be so obsessed with his entire discography. But because <laughs> Should I ex- wish to listen? But, but because an ex of mine was so obsessed with him, it's oh. just got this little tinge to it where I just can't, I can't delve. Right. And it's almost too overwhelming. Really? Yeah. And I feel like that about Taylor Swift as well. So- I feel like if I delve, I'll get lost. But and no, I won't come back. Do, what do we think about... Because... So I was having a conversation with someone about Harry Styles over the weekend. Okay. And they were like, oh, you know, um, this is someone's take. And it's not one I agree with, as I stated in the conversation. But, um, you know, it's just uh, using queer things to furnish himself in a way that is blah, blah. And then people say, similar to Taylor Swift, it's like to seem more interesting. Oh, right, yeah. But... Is that actually, have you ever heard, in a, have you ever been in a room where someone said that's a good idea? Because I haven't. Have I ever been in a room where someone has said that using queer things is a way to be interesting? Yeah, as in like, let's do this. Not like, no, no, exactly. no, no, no. And I don't, but I don't think that even if it was a thing, I don't think it would be outwardly said. I think it would be a lot more covert anyway. I don't right. think anyone would outwardly, outwardly say, let's pretend to be gay because that's what's trending right now. Yes. I feel like it would be some kind of... Um, I'll tell you what I do think there is a trend of. I think Harry Styles is sick. I like mm. his style. I like his fashion. I think that he gets a bad rap in that kind of space because there are so many people who are outwardly queer i've got gay friends who Mm. dress so femininely they can't even get the tube because they're uncomfortable in the tube so i think if you're someone who is gay and is outwardly gay and has risked a lot for your sexuality then i understand how people would see someone who isn't out getting praise for queer aesthetics whatever but this is just the way the guy likes to dress yeah so we can't you know and i think i don't i I don't know i don't really have an opinion on it i can see all sides i just think it's interesting and there is a critique of it like oh of course the white guy who was so handsome and straight passing Mm. whatever people want to call him getting away with the stuff that out gay men can't even get on the tube for wearing dresses and he can be on the cover of vogue whatever but i think um this is just the way the guy likes to dress like do we want him to wear suits now and yeah. then we're going to tell him to just dress like a man because what? what? What's? I don't get it. I don't think Taylor Swift is queer baiting. I think a lot of queer people just want to see representation. And sometimes we project that where either there isn't some or we're just mm. grasping for it. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. Like I would watch movies where there were, there was no lesbian couples. There was no <laughs> sapphic plotline, but two women touching hands a little bit. I'm like sweating, you know, really? I'm like, oh my God, are they going to kiss? And then there was never any follow through with it. Right. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the times queer people are maybe just kind of like 
grasping for that representation and it's just fun yes it's just fun it is who were your sexual awakenings in cinema in that respect i always talk about Mm. how tom cruise and elizabeth shu were a joint okay for me (laughs) i don't think i had any um okay billy piper and doctor who Right, yeah. Yes. Like I had dreams about Billy Piper and Doctor really? Who. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have anyone. No, absolutely. <laughs> I had sex dreams about Billy Piper and Doctor Who. I was like ridden with guilt about it when I went to school. I told a friend because she also told me that she thought she was hot. Right. Um And I felt like I could really confide in her and open up about my sex dream about Billy Piper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was when she was um Christopher Eggleston's sidekick in Doctor yes. Who. I was so yes. obsessed with her. Yeah, but in a way that I didn't know was sexual, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, all the girlies are having sex dreams about Billy Piper. Yeah. It's just a very straight thing to do. A crush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you ever remember any, because let's say gay men had queer as folk, like, and we could absorb it, and it was this thing for us that mm-hmm. meant, but what was that for queer women? The L word? Yes. Do you know the L word? Yeah. Yeah. So I watched it when I was, it was, I think it was like made in the 90s. So it wasn't Mm. even like when I was born in 98. So it wasn't even something that came out while I was exploring my queerness. It was something I just found on Netflix and stumbled upon and would slam the laptop shut anytime my mum walked in the room. (laughs) And I shared a Netflix account with my uh, friend who is straight um, (sighs) in primary school. Oh. And she would see like, what's the L word? I'm like, oh, you know, like, like love, like the L word, love. That's what it means. I was like, yeah, it's just about these lesbians in LA. It's just so weird. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I used to, I was just obsessed with it. I'd never seen this like little feminist lesbian utopia where virtually no men existed on the show unless mm. they were using them for IVF, <laughs> like to have a baby. Yeah. And it was like, it was so insane for me to see this um, little community of women where like men weren't um a built-in part of their life Mm. and i'd never seen that before at all and how old were you when you were watching that then probably 14 so amazing yeah really amazing but i think you know it's a bit like sex in the city like when you look back and you go oh god there was so much wrong with that show and they recently updated it and then what happens is when you kind of swing the dial of like what's morally correct and what's morally wrong a lot of people overcompensate so you're seeing like a lot of this um over trying Mm. to include absolutely everything to the point where it's like um a bit i I wouldn't even know how to describe it a bit on the nose sometimes with the representation but you see it in sex in the city as well the new sex in the city yeah 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 i watched one episode on the way to tokyo recently it was like an in-flight thing (laughs) and i'd seen lots of people talking about it online i don't actually watch that much tv i've only just got tv um and yeah so i watched it on the in-flight but i saw it and i was like okay i can see what people are saying They're, they're making an effort and it's going to be really important for the new generation and also i think there's sometimes um, you can feel the effort sometimes of people and it's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Also, what, what I love is that human beings are messy. We can't pretend and make and create uh, cinema and TV series where everyone is so fucking woke mm. because that's not the real world. We're only just learning all of this new stuff about mm. uh, pronouns and sexuality and race and gender. And I say we're only just learning this. I mean, like the dominant culture, you know, it's mm. like black people, trans people have been talking about this for so long. Queer people have been talking about this for so long, but it's only now just reaching the dominant culture because of social media. It's just mm. uh, democratizing people's voices. Like you can have a platform, you can have a platform mm. and you don't have to like know someone in the industry. You can create your own fucking industry on Instagram or TikTok. Mm. So I think that we're hearing more of these voices now. And then what's happening is that dominant culture, uh, news outlets, whatever, are kind of thinking, okay, we need to get hold of this. And they're doing it in a way that's um, 
almost too perfect. And I think that we still need to include the fact that human beings are messy and going to make fucking mistakes. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But do you also think that it's a, a situation with we've got these huge institutions of entertainment like mm-hmm. Sex and the City is one that we're talking about at the moment and then they're trying to be bent to modern times. But mm. the truth is it shouldn't be about for white women. So you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't try and like make these four white women or it's only three now like <laughs> have suddenly loads of queer black friends and like yes. and it's like you can feel yeah, the grind yeah. which is actually like maybe make a show that is about queer black people's experiences and then mm-hmm. it won't have this kind of Miranda having to keep saying chunks of paragraphs of why she is woke now and yeah, all of that yeah, stuff yeah. And, and it's like that's the thing people watch things I think I'm no expert but like because because of the characters and mm-hmm. what they're going through and, yeah. and you can't just have like white characters talking about this stuff they have mm. people need to be going through it and I think that's the the mistake that I felt was clear on screen with Sex and the City yeah I just I just have a lot more even when you're talking about the Harry Styles thing or um Taylor Swift or Sex and the City or the L word I just have a lot more tolerance for human error and human mistakes right. in a way that um I two or three years ago probably wouldn't have like Mm. when I was coming into my feminist journey I was such a pain in the ass to be around (laughs) I was because again you you swing the other you overcompensate right I've spent my whole entire life um not realizing I say my whole entire life I was 18 years old and I was going out to nightclubs Mm. for the first time and I was experiencing sexual harassment sexual assault from men but not calling it that and a lot of the girls around me would just kind of accept that men would grope your bum and that men would do this and that men would do that and I was Mm. the only one that felt this outrage and I was like what this is normal we're all we're all just supposed to accept this and they were like floss that's just how it is and I felt crazy Mm. for being the only one I was like looking for someone to just kind of validate that this this isn't cool Mm. so I took to the internet to talk about it um as one does and I started (laughs) and I started putting it into my artwork um started putting my message out there 
And because of all of this sudden realisation about, I'm looking back at past experiences with ex-boyfriends, with random men on the street, with men Mm. in bars, and I'm going, oh my God, this whole time where I've politely just kind of stayed quiet and and not said anything or not advocated for myself, it builds this rage in you that wants to, you want to come back tenfold. Mm. It's a bit like when people who've been people-pleasing their whole lives learn about boundaries. It's like suddenly they're they're not boundaries, there's walls, you know, and it's like you overcompensate for the lack of. And I feel like that's what a lot of dominant culture is doing. So anyway, I was, you know, my dad, I just wouldn't even let him have an opinion on anything. because I was like, you're a man, you can't say anything. I was just so (laughs) annoying at the dinner table, you know, and my dad is so fucking wise. Like I listen to that man's man's advice all the time now, but that's just an example of how I definitely overcompensated with my new understanding of the world and the systems that I was born into, the systems of oppression that I perpetuate, being in my Mm. body as a white person, all of this stuff. It's like, I just went so hard on it. Um, And I would have had a lot less tolerance, I think, for human error back then because I was acknowledging it in myself and that was quite uncomfortable. And I think that we saw it after Black Lives Matter. It was like all white people were doing on social media was just like finger pointing at anyone who was doing anything. You aren't posting today. You're posting today. And it was all of this. We were all watching each other. It was like surveillance. And I think the... We need that and then we've got to come back to the middle where we go, okay, there's a middle point here where we can talk about sexism, racism, transphobia, homophobia in a way that um, is going to benefit change as opposed to some kind of instant reward or shaming or something like you see on these programs where they're like okay we need to correct every single error that sex in the city made in this one new series yes. as opposed to showing a natural progression of how people actually work which yeah. is messy human beings are messy i remember when i was first learning about pronouns a few years ago just even getting it used to being in your vocabulary with the with the english language and you t- changing that around in your mouth even mm. it's, it's 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 a process and then you learn it and then it's fine and then you can teach other people and i i think i used to have a pattern of learning something new and then being like how can you still do this you're not using they them pronouns that's so disrespectful when I literally learned about them a month ago you know (laughs) and it's just like righteousness that we get about it it's almost like you're trying to because I've definitely done the same yeah you're trying to distance yourself from an old version of yourself by pointing out in others yeah but then you you 2.0 is the one who's like oh no I was that but now I'm this. And yes. I only learned because someone was compassionate to me. Yeah. And therefore I need to be compassionate to others. And I also think it's like, it's, um, I don't want to get too, it's also like a privilege I have that if I'm feeling this way about tolerance, there are certain things I just mm. don't have tolerance for at all because for some reason it triggers something in me and I need to like take a breather before I talk about it, you know? Mm. And it's usually stuff to do with sexual assault rape sexual violence all that kind of stuff um but i i feel like i'm in a position where i've been in that rageful state and i can very easily go back there again depending on what's happening or whatever's you know it's not it's it's not linear babes. <laughs> so i can easily very easily go back to that place but for example with talking about race i with my family with my friends with the people i've known for a very long time i'm in a position where they will listen to me just because of my proximity to them and also because i'm a white person so Mm. if i have that access to these people to talk even about trans people like Mm. on the news and in the media i remember when my parents were seeing it for the first time it was Mm. like you don't see many trans people in plymouth where i grew up so then you're seeing trans people on the news talking about being non-binary and suddenly it's skewing this view that uh the older generation have had of like it's literally black and white pink 
and blue, man, woman. It's this way of thinking. So when someone exists that's like, mm. I feel this way, it wrecks their entire understanding of the world and themselves. Mm. And so if you have access to a person like that, which I do, my family and my peers, whatever, then yeah, I same. find it very, I'm in a very good position to use my time with them to do it slowly and gradually because if I go in hard at those people they're just going to double down on their beliefs it's a bit like when, mm. when you have a friend that's in a toxic relationship I've been talking about this on my Instagram recently mm. if you have a friend that's in a toxic relationship the last thing that they want to hear is dump him leave him <laughs> stay away from him he's trash because then you have two people controlling the woman two people telling her what to do with her life mm. and we all want to make our own choices so if you gently drip feed this information to uh, your relatives or family they'll come to it on their own and mm. i think people like to think that they've come to things on their own rather than they were lectured to about something yes and also on top of that i think that people don't want to feel like they were wrong they have been wrong, were wrong. In front of others. Yeah. Like, you never want to feel like you've been an asshole. Yeah. So if you just gently enlighten... I mean, I love that we're having this conversation now because we are heading into Christmas Ooh. and we're all going to be talking about Meghan Markle around the dinner table, aren't yeah. we? You know, like, that. The, those touch paper people who seem to embody really opposing opinions in families and things. Yeah. And it's interesting... Because you say it's about talking about it over a long time, but then Christmas is quite short when you're with all your families. But how can we, ed you know, educate our families? How can we, in a compassionate way, enlighten people? Mm. I think, again, sometimes it can even be to do with, like, temperaments. If you know that you're going to get heated around the family table about abortion rights, particularly in America, with yeah. what's going on over there, then maybe don't bring it up if mm -hmm. you know that, you're you are going to start crying the second your dad starts saying but you need to follow through with this pregnancy even if this happens even you do not have mm. to put yourself through this like emotionally triggering thing in the name of being the perfect activist and always saying the thing all the time it's like you don't need to always do mm. that if it's going to you're going to be hitting a brick wall with your dad because he doesn't believe in that so i think it's um it's just checking in with yourself and knowing what's going to be beneficial to like moving the needle forward and I definitely thought that going as hard as I possibly can at all times was the way to do that but it's not always the way mm. um I think sometimes what really works is uh, analogies and metaphors with people mm. um statistics really work well with people and it's not trying to make people feel stupid and I learned something recent not recently maybe like a year ago on TikTok this woman was talking about um dating ignorant men so if, you, if you're if you're dating a man and you're on a first date and a guy says something a little bit sexist or makes a remark if you want to teach them you don't go what the fuck was that what, what are you saying that for you, you, you don't because then they're going to go oh you're one of those oh you're one of those feminists yeah. you've got to be like sorry did you mean to say that you almost give them the benefit of the doubt yes. you give them the chance to go oh no sorry no no you're right that's you go sorry did you mean to say that mm. did you mean because that's and you like give them the benefit of the doubt like did that slip out you didn't mean to and then you let them reflect you're basically just like holding the mirror up to them yes. instead of being like shame 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 yes and i've definitely used the shame tactic a lot and it just doesn't work and there's so much research on it as well but when you shame people you just kind of you make them double down on what they wanted to do mm -hmm. 
you as the shamer then become the bad guy because mm. you're shaming someone and then you're just making shame with shame. Um, and not a lot of change is born with shame. You just kind of create this thing for this person where they don't really want to change also. Because again, back to the being uh, wrong, a lot of people are okay with being wrong in private, but being wrong publicly or being wrong in front of someone can be really humiliating. Mm. So it's that um, that reflection that I think helps a lot of people so that they can do it in their own time and then come to their own realization yeah and it's that, not gentler that gen- that generational thing as well where they feel confused and that entrenches them more because they're yeah. just like well the world's gone mad rather than gently trying to sort of illustrate an idea or illustrate a point that is um you know uh that is going to be helpful or help them understand because you are having those conversations because you want to change the, i love that thing of like did you mean to say that because it reminds me of um yeah. this trick when a thing to do when someone's really rude to you Mm. is you should say to them um if someone's really rude to you instead of saying uh what did you say you say say that again (laughs) because it's so unlikely that they're going to to repeat it yeah yes that's so true but it makes them you didn't have to do anything but it makes them completely think about what they've said and why because most rude things are said under your breath or off the cuff when was the last time you interacted with someone like that though Chris because it's like I actually can't remember the last time someone said something outright unless I'm like in a pub and it's a football night do you know what I mean yeah it's more insidious (laughs) isn't it but like well I thought of you on the train here this morning actually because there was this guy on the train and he was having a phone call on his loudly. Know, AirPods so loudly, loudly. <laughs> and he was being he was being such an arrogant just do you know that Bob Mortimer sketch where he does like an impression of someone on a train being no, like oh mate it. hi yeah it's Larry Larry call you back Larry mate and like that harsh laughter like <laughs> yeah yeah and he was like um he literally said the sentence, yeah, I'm going to tear strips off him later. Oh, my God. I, no. But it's funny. he was the other end of the carriage. So already I'm creating excuses to why I didn't say anything. But I was like, I should just say to him, can you shut up? Not can you shut up? Can you? And then I was like, conflict would, resolution on the train. Yeah. What would I say? And then I was like, what would Floss say? Because I think she wouldn't be scared to say something. But would you? Um, okay, context. Mm. My safety, mostly yeah. as a woman. I'm like, is this guy going to then shout in my face? Yeah. Um, and then that's going to be very uncomfortable. Um, I think if the man was sat next to me, I might say, sorry, could you just yeah. like this? That- yeah. And people are very receptive to that. I think you go in with the... Um, I- heard something recently about when it comes to conflict going with the with the most generous assumption of that person yes the most generous assumption that they are so unaware that they're Mm. being so loud they are unaware that they're being rude they are unaware that they're being ignorant yeah and again with the mirror thing you just go sorry can you just Mm. and they go oh my god i'm sorry and then if they're an asshole then you can escalate and go no please you're interrupting people and then you can escalate and then someone sees that you might need help whatever and they go yeah sorry i'm meditating on the tube can you shut up i don't know but like you go in with the most generous assumption and i think that's where i really like to meet people and where i'm really trying to meet people trying being the keyword yeah we don't have yeah no one's perfect but i always fucking do it phase four of my chat with myself okay on the train was you've got to go in with love and be like i'm sure you don't realize that you're being annoying 
Well, no, I wouldn't use no, the word annoying. So but like, sure. as in, you've got to go in with the way you speak to him as if he doesn't know that he's annoying at all. Mm. Not that I did anything about it. At the heart it, of it all, I love people. I really love people. Do you? Yes, oh, I good. love people. And that's why I do what I do. Like, I love talking to people. At the heart mm. of everything I do with my work is bringing people together. Mm. Nothing makes me happier. Um, probably a lot to do with just being in high school. Like, high school was so clicky. Mm. And I remember this feeling of being like, why are we all being mean to each other why are there clicks why why are we isolating girls out when they're not doing something right this week why are mm-hmm. we doing and so for me a lot of my healing work has come through just bringing other women and queer people together at my events or on my page Lovely. and i love people so even when i hear about that man i always try to go to like the most compassionate place in my brain and then people respond really well to it sometimes right that's the end of part one of chat with floss part two is on the feed go have a listen 